Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Podcasters, we have been beneath you and nothing is beneath us. And now we are here to take over the airwaves. <laughs> All that right. almost almost combines the first one and the second one a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. That's true. I guess. Alright, uh, this is Making a Disney Fan Podcast. This is our 18th episode with... The Incredibles. Wow. 18, eh? Yeah. 18. Yep. Our podcast is an adult. <laughs> in, in months. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am here with my co-hosts, and here at Disney Fans, po- making a Disney fan podcast, we give each other characters based off of personalities or just who we think best represent the person so i'm going to make my buddy brandon uh edna i'm cool (laughs) with that (laughs) yeah i love that Uh, well you're very passionate about things and you speak your mind very openly and you know you also simultaneously care true true yeah all right and then i have sarah who I am going to make Elastigirl because you're awesome and, you know, you're very strong, strong-willed and I don't think see you taking guff from your husband. <laughs> At least that's my picture of things. And I'm just so flexible. <laughs> not, not at all. To, to, to be <laughs> fair, Elastigirl is also who I chose. Pretty much for the same reason. Elastigirl is what? Elastigirl is pretty much the same, uh, same thing I chose. Mm. Cool. All right. So, what do you guys think? So, yeah. Uh, Brandon. Uh, well, yeah, I chose Elastigirl for Sarah, and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure one out. I chose Syndrome for you, Zach. And I'm a little ashamed to say it's mostly because he's short. Um, <laughs> well, you could also say I'm I'm a uber fan. Yeah, I was gonna say there are definitely qualities. There are definitely qualities in there <laughs> that are a little more attributable than just a shortness. But yeah, not that syndrome is who I chose for you. All right, and Sarah. Um, I'm making you guys Mr. Incredible and Frozen. Oh, you keep on giving us the buddies. Well, I mean, it's fitting because mm-hmm. um, you are buddies. But also, like, I could see you guys being middle-aged fathers kind of bored and saying, Okay, see you later, honey. I'm going bowling. And <laughs> not going bowling. Um, and just going off and doing dumb stuff. Fighting together, crime. Yeah, I could see that. You know? 
Maybe fighting crime. Wait, so who's yeah. Mr. Who, who who's right, well, we both know I'm not cool. So. We both know I'm not cool enough to be Samuel L. Jackson, so. Uh, actually, I was making you Frozone and <laughs> Brandon Mr. Incredible. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, the next part of this podcast, we talk about our memories of this film. Um, Sarah, what are your memories of this film? I don't remember seeing it the first time. Like, obviously, I was old enough that I could, because I would have been 11 when this came out, but I just always remember liking it. I don't have significant memories surrounding seeing Mm. it, but I did watch it with Daisy last weekend, and it was the first time I ever let her stay up past her bedtime to watch a movie, and we... Mm. Got all cozy with some popcorn in my bed and watched it, and she loved it, and immediately wanted to watch it again. Nice. So, right. and now, now she runs around, say like, with her arms behind her, saying, "I'm a superhero! I'm a superhero!" <laughs> so, what did we start? She really liked it. Her favorite superhero is actually Spider-Man. She also runs around going, "Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man!" But she liked this That's a lot. That's funny. <laughs> All right, uh, Brandon. What are your memories of The Incredibles? Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure I saw this one in theaters when it came out. Um, what year is this? This is like '04. Yeah, right yeah. So like, I was 11. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing this in theaters. Uh, kind of similar to Sarah though. Like, I know I saw it, but I don't have any stories about it. I watched it on the DVD when my parents got it. Uh, at least mm. once or twice, but yeah, I have no emotional attachment to this film. All right, um, my memories. I since me being a little bit older, I was fourteen when this one came out, so you know, prime age bracket for this kind of movie. Uh, and this yeah. is right as superheroes were kind of becoming more and more mainstream. Like, this is after um, after Spider-Man 2. Yeah, it's only right? four years post-X-Men, which is kind of where it all started. Yeah, exactly. So, but, so the market wasn't saturated at all at that point, yeah. so it's just like... But yeah, I definitely remember this one. I, I even remember, like, the, the teaser trailer in Finding Nemo for this one. Where it's like Mr. Incredible in his office and he's just like, oh, Mr. Incredible, we need your help. And then he has enormous amounts of trouble putting on his belt. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the epic teaser. And it's just the most hilarious thing ever because it's just like this out of shape superhero. <laughs> that's just like could not get his belt on. It's just, yeah, it that got me hooked. Didn't matter any, any other information on the movie. I was going to see it no matter what. Um, and yeah, I saw it in theaters. I don't, I think I only saw it the one time, maybe twice, (laughs) trying to remember. But, uh, then, yeah, of course, went on DVD immediately and then went on regular rotation in my, in my viewings. Eventually got it on Blu-ray, so yay. (laughs) (laughs) And now my, my kids enjoy it, but they like when my son requests it, he requests Incredibles 2. Hmm. And he requests it because it's got Laser Eye Baby. Laser yeah. Eye Baby. I mean, Incredibles 2 is also really good. 
I don't remember it that well. I like it. We will address Incredibles 2 on said episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. it. I only I ever saw it the once. <laughs> All right. So, and you, right, you said that Daisy really enjoyed this one. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So we will move on to our next segment, which is Newbie Recap with Brandon, who had no emotional attachment to this film. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. What's up, guys? It's your boy. Uh, so let's get into The Incredibles. Uh, I'm just going to be real. Anyone listening here probably has seen The Incredibles. I think it's one of those one of those movies that everyone saw when it came out. Um, it was super popular. At least that's what I remember. Uh, but basically, superheroes get banned in New York. Are they in New York? Metroville. Metroville. Okay, yeah. So just like... Whatever. Superheroes get banned either worldwide or just in the city. They don't really explain. I think it's just in the city. Um, forcing. I think it's America. Is it America? Okay, yeah. So superheroes get banned in America, and all these people have to go like live underground and like not have superpowers. And that's where we get like Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. We get like a robbery scene in their wedding early on in the movie, which is, is actually a pretty funny scene. Um, but... Yeah, so they have a family, and they're, like, living undercover, uh, not using their powers. Their kid, they have kids, Dash and Violet. Dash can, like, he's basically the Flash, uh, just called Dash. So, um, Violet turns invisible. I'm assuming it's some sort of play on Ultraviolet, because she, like, makes force fields and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so they got kids, but... Mr. Incredible's, like, not happy being retired, so he goes and he takes a couple, uh, like, superhero side gigs from this lady, Mirage, and he has to go fight this, like, robot on some nondescript uh, island that some, like, dude owns. Um, and then he beats he beats the thing, but then has to fight another thing, and it's, it's a whole mess, really, just, like, robots. And basically, uh, the villain is like a fanboy of his I guess which is like an interesting theme to get into I guess um but it's kind of like a fanboy he becomes like this ultra villain he's been building these robots to try and kill Mr. Incredible like was that I'm not sure like that was that his original plan or was that like where did the where did the extra plan come from like they like he killed Mr. Incredible that he thought which I mean, was stupid, and we can get to that. He 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 wanted to kill Mister Incredible, but then he wanted to be self-aggrandized, help for himself to make himself a superhero. Yeah, that's greater than anything. Yeah, else. I don't think I don't think they really like clarified his plans too well because like I was a little like watching it, and Mister Incredible like dies or whatever, and I'm like, okay, why does he keep going then? Like, if that's his whole plan, what's the what's the deal but um whatever so he fights mr like mr incredible and then it goes to the city like they all he flies the machine to the city and the machine starts destroying things and the superheroes help destroy the things and syndrome doesn't get like made into a villain or not a villain a hero because he didn't defeat the thing 
And he goes and he kidnaps their baby, which he has no actual knowledge of. So why he thought to do that is actually a little weird to me. Because, like, when he captures mm. the family, he's like, oh, you married Elastigirl and you have kids. So he's discovering everything about his family in that moment. So how did he know there was a baby to go kidnap when he went and kidnapped the baby? Uh, yeah. Empl- employment records uh, at his previous job because he knew where his job was. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's all just implied knowledge, which was kind of just a weak way to progress the story. Uh, basically, there's, like one more villain fight and the Incredibles win it's all good and then you get the underminer scene just like a villain who comes up from the mm-hmm. ground and that's how they end the movie and I'm pretty sure that's how they begin the second one yeah yeah, correct. yeah. no it's it's a good movie honestly um, my first thought in the beginning when Mr. Incredible's like trying to save that lady's cat and he just like pulls out the tree and then he like shakes it and then he stops the car and then he just puts the tree back. And I'm like, you know, he killed that tree, right? Like <laughs> ripped all its roots out and stuff. Like he's not just putting it back and we're just going to have a good park. Like he, he ripped that whole tree out. Yeah. So I don't understand why I put them back. Yeah. Um, there's a part where Violet hides behind a wall with her powers. And I just think like they're all pretty like out there, like. Dash gets caught using his powers in, like, that principal scene or whatever. But, like, sometimes it's just... There's a ton of people at that school. And just because the dude she has a crush on can't see her doesn't mean that nobody else behind that set of stairs is, like... She just went invisible. What? <laughs> yeah, like, what? What is? Mm-hmm. what is the deal? I also don't understand how the powers work. Because, like, you'd assume Mr. Incredible has, like, strength-based powers. Elastigirl has, like, elasticity powers. You assume if they have children, they're generally going to pass down the same-ish genes and they're all going to have, like, versions of it. So, like, why isn't Dash also super strong or something? Or why why isn't Violet? Like, they can have their, like, how do the powers work? Like, is it just randomly assigned? Or, like, is there an actual hmm. biological process that explains the passing of the powers? Because Jack-Jack has, like, 50 powers. Like, they just did, they just didn't yeah. want to. They're, like, in their writing room. They're, like, well, we got to give the baby powers. And they're, like, brah, man, it's been a 12-hour day. Like, I don't, I don't want to sit around writing powers. Just give them all of them. Like, but again, Jack Jack's got like 50 powers. How did he get that from the biological thing? How do the powers work in this universe? Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, as far as it goes, I think the, with this film, that's a part that isn't quite as required. Like it's doesn't take away from the storytelling. No, like it doesn't take away from the storytelling, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's kind of weird when you notice, mm-hmm. like, blonde-haired Mr. Incredible and, like, brunette Mrs. Incredible have a kid and they don't have, not only don't have the powers similar to their parents, but she doesn't even look like them. <laughs> so, like, yeah. how yeah. do the powers work? Yeah, that, because that if it's wrong. biological, she is not their child. Like, <laughs> hands down. Um... I thought it was really funny just kind of knowing how things played out in, like in the future behind this movie 
that Mr. Incredible gets the invitation and it blows up like on Mission Impossible where Brad Bird would mm. go on to direct Mission Impossible movies. Like I think that's I oh, I think yeah. that's kind of cool. What um one of the best ones. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. I do have to say the thing explodes and like fills up their house and they have industrial water sprinklers in their regular house. Who has that? Like in what world? I don't know. I <laughs> uh, just yeah. yeah. I don't know that. Industrial. Like yeah, I don't I understand either. in some like apartment complexes you can find that, but they're just in a regular house. Yeah. Like who installed industrial water sprinklers in this people's home? Um, yeah, because I mean, like, you burn toast and then it'll go off. Yeah. 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 Also, like, part of Syndrome's plan, he says, he's like, oh, once everybody's super, like, I'll be super. No one's super. And, like, wasn't this whole thing about him wanting to be super? Like, specifically, like... <laughs> yeah, what he was saying is that when he's done and tired of it... Yeah. He'll sell all of his inventions so then so then everybody, anybody can be super. And, when, and then he says, and when everyone's super, no one is. So essentially, mm-hmm. he's make So when he is just done with his self-aggrandizement... Yeah, he, I, I get it. Make take away the, the thrill of I it. I get it, but his whole deal is about attaining that spot of power. Like, his whole deal is like, I'm going to do this whole thing so I can beat it and look like mm-hmm. a hero and I can be that hero. And I, he wants to be, like, revered for mm-hmm. 90% of the movie. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, then I'm going to make everyone super because if everyone's super, then no one's super. And it's like, but you didn't want well, you didn't just, want no one to be super. You wanted you specifically to be super. He wants it, but he figures eventually he's gonna get tired of helping people because people suck. So he's <laughs> like, well, once I'm tired of it, I'll give this stuff out. They'll all think that I'm great because I made it, and then nobody will be special. So I will be special until I'm done, and then nobody gets to be special. So it, it's still making him the center of it all. Fair. <laughs> it still is part of it. it uh, it's. Still in line with his narcissism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, my last, like, real criticism of the movie, I guess, is they spend a, a good while talking about how, like, when you fight this thing, it learns from you, and then they make it better. So, like, that's the deal with all the superheroes that are leaving. And, like, they're all getting caught, and then they if they win, they upgrade the machine. If they don't, they die. And they've upgraded the machine based off, of like, learning from all these different kinds of superheroes. My my thought is, when it does fight, like, um, Mr. Incredible for the first time, and Mr. Incredible goes inside, and it uses its things, like, bum, 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 attack him, because it obviously thinks he's inside... And it, like, tears itself apart. Um, Why, if they're constantly upgrading after every hero, everything they learn, why was that not upgraded in the final final thing? Because he was able to use... His big revelation was, like, nothing can pierce it but itself. And, like, if Syndrome was Mm -hmm. really that smart, like, that was the whole way 
The entire reason Mr. Incredible won was that. So if any takeaway from any scientific testing on that machine says that was the failure we need to fix, why did he not fix it then? That's mm-hmm. his whole deal. Like make uh, it so it yeah, can't why, pierce itself Yeah, why not anymore? make it so it can't pierce mm-hmm. itself anymore? Because like that was... That was clearly the thing to learn because that's exactly how Mr. Mm -hmm. Incredible beat him. So, like, why why wouldn't Syndrome upgrade that? Like, why – that seems like – it like it seems like a big question but also just, like, lazy writing. Like, they just needed a way to write them out and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember this. But, like, really, Mm -hmm. storyline-wise, Syndrome should have fixed that and didn't. I think he just tried to go with the simpler solution, which was making it 400% larger. I guess, like, and then, so increasing that... the size, yeah. But I just feel like, specifically, the program was to learn mm-hmm. off of the defeats. So why did they not mm-hmm. learn from that well, very specific defeat? Yeah. That's a fair criticism. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird for me. I was like, that's what I was thinking in the end. It's like, that was a very, like... Almost a lame way to kill it in the end, because why, yeah, again, why didn't Syndrome fix that? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but really, like, it's, it's almost, it's like a Pixar thing, I guess, with me. Overall, like, it's a good movie. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. It's a fun watch. The voice cast is good. Um, I think it's funny. The action's good. I like the character work. I don't like that it took like 20 years to get a sequel because uh, I'm not going to lie. When it did come out, I really didn't care about it that much. But like, had we have gotten a sequel mm. right away, like I think I think it would have been like much better, even though I'm pretty sure the sequel did well anyway. Right. Like it. Yeah, it was very high. Growth. Yeah, like it, it sold anyway. But I just maybe I just feel it would hit different if it released earlier. Um. Mm. But yeah, overall, it's a superhero movie about a superhero family doing superhero stuff uh, and Mm -hmm. winning by being superheroes. Also, they all just get accepted in the end again. Like, everyone's just suddenly cool with superheroes. So, like, you think if that's all it took, like, it would just take one superhero to just become a villain and be like, this is what we're doing. (laughs) Like, but whatever. That's the way it is. Disney movies. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, but in this story. Yeah, like, yeah, like, if you were to end it at one, I guess, like, I don't really know much about the second, I don't remember it, but, like, if you were to yeah. end it at one, it ends and, with and them right being now, accepted. We'll just con- yeah, for purposes of this, of this episode, we'll just consider this as more self-contained. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like at the end, like it definitely feels like it's like, oh, they're free now, we're good. Which is also like, man, that's a mm-hmm. lot of work. And also, the lawsuits against Mr. Incredible did kind of make sense. Like, they did kind of have a point. <laughs> like, there is, there is obviously mm-hmm. like a downside to being a superhero. It's, it's not the most thought provoking movie that Pixar has released or anything like that, but it is a lot of like fun. Yeah. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about with this one is 
the fun superhero world that they created for it where it's like talking very on like very specific things but also like a casual nature about things about the everyday things that seem to go on like even in the opening scene it's just like oh yeah oh yeah uh, uh robbery i got time i got time on on my clock before my my errand yeah. like oh, i can take care of this in 5 minutes uh, you know kind of thing just like the casual nature of of fighting crime and i also love like the part part in like the interview where mr incredible goes like some you know sometimes it doesn't matter i know how many times you save the world it always needs to be saved again and it's just like yeah that's totally comic book yeah it's just always the world is about to end every week this is like i just cleaned up this mess can't you just stay clean for five minutes well <laughs> I love them addressing that. And then even, like, specifically addressing monologuing. Yeah, like, that's multiple always funny. times. It, even Syndrome addressing it, like, oh, you sly dog, you got me monologuing. Yeah. I have, I have, a, funny, <laughs> and, I have a funny line in one of my movies about monologuing. He's, like, attacking her. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't you dare interrupt me while I'm monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. And then, yeah, you got, like, the superhero fashion designer as well. It's just, like, I just lo- love that uh, that world that they created. And, you know, like you said, there's real consequences for some of these things with, like, the lawsuits and underground. Like, oh, the government is losing way too much money. We'll just put get rid of them. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, it's just... It's a really cool way to bring superheroes into the animated world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and on that note, I think that this is like, as far as as a self-contained film, I think that this is pro- probably one of the best superhero films out, out there. Um, like... It's completely original. It doesn't have any, like, like origin IP. And it has, like, it, this clear world establishment at the beginning. You have these, all these, like, characters that you zoom in on and you see their their everyday lives and how it goes on but then it tells like a great story as it goes and then the adventure is very it's just very rewarding and very very organic like the the plot progression is very understandable and very easy to follow at the same time and you understand the characters motivations you understand like the dynamics between these people and the relationships that they have with each other like it's very believable because a lot of the stuff that they say is stuff that you could actually see a parent or saying to their kids or a husband and wife arguing about something and it's just like leads to really great storytelling in this regard and then you also like have the bond elements and like the golden age comic elements that are thrown in there and, and then you throw in the one of the best scores of Di- like of Disney and Pixar. It's a good score. Like 
uh, Giancino is just on fire in this one. I think I, I'm hoping I'm not butchering the name, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just honestly like as far as a self-contained film a superhero film it is just top notch because other superhero films you get or you got an origin movie right yeah. and then usually when you get the origin movies the second movie is good but the second movie requires the first movie in order to for it to stand as well as it does mm-hmm. so, but this one, by itself, is just spectacular. And it even has, like, a really great ending, in my opinion. Like, like I've had some people criticize, like, before the sequel came out. It's just like, oh, I love The Incredibles, but that, en- like, the ending, like, it's just, I want to know what happens next. And I'm just like, in this context, what happens next, it's business as usual. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just means that they're, that they're back, they're happy, and they're a cohesive family unit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I don't care about, you know, their conflict with the Underminer. It just means that, that they're just doing what they want to do. Yeah. Bring in the under- Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a great. It was. It was just a fun cameo. I mean, like, his last one was the that we talked about was. Uh, wait, do we, I don't even think we had talked about his cameo last time as the school of fish. Yeah, we brought it up. Yeah. All right, uh, but yeah, like, small. They're just the roles seem to be you know, get smaller and smaller for him. Mm. <laughs> uh. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Uh, I actually have an underminer pop uh, Funko Pop figure. Oh, nice, nice. That I got on like I got for like two bucks or something like that, or three bucks. That's cool. Yeah, yes, it is cool. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about was and with and Brandon already talked a bit about him is uh is Syndrome. Syndrome is a fantastic villain. Like his level of like narcissism and and well he's he's brilliant like he's he's intelligent but he's not wise Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense like he is he has no self-awareness he's clearly smart enough to like do all these things like build things and and do things and and be calculating about things but he doesn't understand human human connection and emotions and and stuff uh and an interesting thing that you can see in the film itself, and you actually have to like watch it a couple times in order to spot this, is that there's two scene. There's one scene that's played two times, where uh, Mr. Incredible says, uh, uh, "Fly home, buddy. I work alone." Oh yeah, it's it's two totally different things from different point of views. I noticed exactly like exactly like the original. Like he's holding up like bomb voyage, and he's just like, and he's kind of like glancing over at, at him and just saying like fly home and but then in buddy's memory or syndrome's me- memory he's like standing broadly and just like pointing and just like like 
fly home. I work alone. It's just so he's removing the things in between them and and focusing all on himself and the interactions that he had with him, disregarding mm-hmm. other things. So it's just a great showcasing of his of his level of narcissism that he's that he has there. Um, and then it's just really just great to see the voice like the voice acting that he does and like the that Jason Lee does for for syndrome that is just like menacing but yet very much just fanboying yeah like throughout like he's just he's just one really lame nerd that really wants to bring himself to the limelight yeah And, like, even, like, his interactions with, like, Mirage is just, yeah, he clearly doesn't have any clue what he's, what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, that was something I forgot to mention is, uh, is Mirage is just, you know, classic. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh and I love the moment where he's just like, where she's like, oh, you must be Miss, Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> and then he, she gets punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Ours, I thought, like, I thought the dinner with, the dinner scene with her was completely unnecessary, though. Like, it really serves I'm... no purpose other than to show Mr. Incredible about the firewall that people come through so he can sneak in later. Like other than that, like that scene serves so, no purpose. But you could... it also shows him asking. It also shows him asking questions about the employer. You, you still bit, really so don't to... need that. Like just in terms of story, you could cut that scene yeah. and it wouldn't make any difference to the movie. <laughs> but it was fun wordplay for him. I think. Yeah, sure. Like, like the scene itself him... is fine, I guess. But like, in terms mm-hmm. of like necessity, like it's it is not needed. That scene is just. I think it's just a plot device to get him to see that wall so he can sneak in. The lava wall. <laughs> well, yeah, that is totally what what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so Syndrome holds one heck of a grudge. Yeah. Like this is like this is like maleficent levels. <laughs> like that is a long time to hold on to a grudge like that like is crazy. Yeah. Um. Uh, the last uh, one. One of the other main things I want to talk about with this is the parenting and the family dynamics. Oh yeah. That are done in it. Like. It's really believable the relationships these characters have. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, the, and the parenting done in this film is just, is just perfect, really. Like, it's, it's a, a perfect example of what a real parent is. Yeah. Because they're trying to do their best, they're, occasionally they struggle and fail like like there's you know the moment where uh 
the parents are fighting in the living room and then they they see like signs that they're there and just like okay you can come out now and just like we're having a discussion yeah. pretty loud discussion <laughs> <laughs> and just you know parents have weaknesses and it's it's one of those things that that is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. <laughs> and I love, like, uh, as you were saying, Brandon, like, the, the powers might seem, like, are, like, totally random for yeah. like, the kids. And I agree. They are totally random. But story-wise, they actually coalesce very well with the, with the characters that are there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, like... One sec, sorry. My phone is about to die. Puts up barriers around herself. Yep. And then you have, like, the 12-year-old boy who is just an enormous amount of energy. Or something like that. I don't know, probably less. I doubt he's Maybe, 12. let's say 10. 9 or 10, then? Maybe. He looks like a toddler. <laughs> yeah, well... I could relate with that. <laughs> For those of you who do not know me, I am quite short. <laughs> All right. Um, and then you got the... Sorry, go ahead. Okay, there you go. See? Okay. So, yeah, enormous amounts of energy and just nonstop going. And then the baby, who is just a wild card. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And and it's just great to st and I definitely understand those especially like the high energy thing but mine I have to deal with a 5-year-old and he has that much energy. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, you like you see the interactions that the parents have with their kids and and it's really good to see a realistic par parenting that they do. Um, especially like, like Miss, Mrs. or Elasticurl or whatever, where she's like having like the moment in the cave or whatever, where she's just like, I know what I said, you know, focus on what I'm saying. Yeah. And then you even see like in the moment where she's just like, like, <laughs> catching herself just like, you know, before. And it's just, yeah. These are the kind of parents you want to emulate because there's no perfect parent. Like, there's people who definitely try to seem perfect, but that can also lead to major problems. Um, but, yeah, these are definitely the kind of parents I would want to emulate down the line. Alright, uh, that's pretty much it for my deep dive not bad so i'm gonna move it on to sarah for fun facts and trivia before this mm, they focused yeah. on non-human main characters like bugs toys fish and it's because animating people in a believable way is a lot trickier 
they're creating cartoon style monsters or ants or whatever Hmm. Um, especially doing hair it's very 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 hard to animate which we're going to come back to in a minute but yeah first human focused one and obviously they worked hard to get the technology to animate it better because the humans in this are a lot better than the humans in Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. Um, significantly better. I did... No, I haven't watched The Incredibles in a long time. I did notice that like you can really see the difference in the animation between the first and second one. Yeah. Um, oh. I remembered it being better than it was, but I wasn't too distracted by it because I got used to it. And it's not bad. Mm. No. Like the animation is not bad by any means. It's, it's not just Sid's clearly team. older. Yeah. yeah, it's way better than Toy Story. It's just clearly older yeah. animation. But yeah. Um we have Edna, the famous superhero fashion designer. Uh they had some actors lined up to play her. Lily Tomlin auditioned to play her, but Brad Bird was voicing her for like practicing and stuff during animation and during production and they were like, Well, He's funny. We gotta use him for it. Uh, and then they have lots of theories about who inspired the character. One of them being Anna Wintour, who's the famous scary editor-in-chief at Vogue. Who also is Devil Wears Prada inspiration. <laughs> um, this is the only Pixar film that doesn't feature the Pizza Planet truck. At least not that anyone's found so far. Um, Brad Bird didn't ask anyone to put it in. That doesn't mean no one snuck it in. But according to the internet, no one's found it. So, hmm. pretty good shot that it's just not there. Uh, Dash Parr is played by Spencer Fox. And because Dash is always running, they would get Spencer to run right before recording his lines because then he'd have that authentic out-of-breath sound. Hmm. So cool. he was just dull legitimately always running that's funny which makes sense um for merchandising and advertising and stuff for the movie they would refer to elastigirl as mrs incredible and this is because there was an elastigirl already dc had a superhero named elastigirl with similar powers and dc didn't really like that Ugh. so they promoted her as mrs incredible even though obviously in the movie she's still called elastigirl but that's funny yeah, they didn't. They didn't like that very much. <laughs> Boo hoo, DC. Yeah, uh, the story takes place like we talked about briefly in a city called Metroville, and it's kind of taken but from two famous comic book cities. Can you guess which ones? Smallville and Metropolis. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then it takes place in 1962, which is a golden era for superheroes, and the style of animation is a nod to 60s design and arch architecture. So that's why lots of buildings have, like, curves and it look, look futuristic. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of call back to that. Uh, when Brad Bird first came to Pixar with his ideas, they were nervous about it because they thought it was going to be too expensive and they wouldn't be able to make a profit on it. So he said... Just give me your least popular animators, the ones that are least likely to stay at the company or follow company rules. And he figured they'd be more open to experimenting, which they were. And they originally were meant to be doing it in 2D animation, like Disney classics. Um, but obviously that's not what they did. But if you look at the illustrations in the credits, you can see where they were going with that. Uh, it was a huge hit. Done, didn't only do well at the box office, 
but it made $600 million worldwide at the box office. Um, it also sell, sold the most DVDs in 2005 at $17 million. And it won the Oscar for Best Animated Film. It also won an Oscar for Sound Editing, I believe. Yeah. And it also won the Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. It was the first animated film to win that. Hugo Award. It's also nominated for Best, uh, adapt, uh, best Screenplay. Hmm. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the names of the characters and places in the film are all chosen for specific reasons. The Incredibles' last name is Parr, meant to indicate that they are just an average normal family. <laughs> Frozone not only has ice powers, he's also very cool. Syndrome's island is called Kronos, which is referencing the Greek god who tries to destroy Zeus, but is eventually defeated by him. And Syndrome's name may be a reference to Hero Syndrome, a condition where someone creates dangerous situations in order to make themselves look good. Mm. Not surprising Ooh. that everything would be intentional. I like that. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the movie, the clothes that they're wearing shows how much they've changed. Uh, Mr. Incredible is wearing superhero clothes and business clothes, showing how he's able to balance his life. Helen is wearing clothes that suggest a return to superhero life. Violet's dark clothes are now bright to reflect her newfound confidence, and she has a headband holding her hair out of her face. Mm -hmm. And Dash is wearing running clothes that indicates that he's able to be himself. The run is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're like, go faster. Not too fast. Just get second yeah. place. <laughs> uh, the real reason that they have the rule from Edna for no capes is because they're too hard to animate, so they didn't want <laughs> So they're just like, don't give them capes. <laughs> That's funny. Which... It's reasonable. Uh, this is, among Pixar and Disney films, the longest gap waited for a sequel. Sequel. Uh, it's a 14-year gap from 2004 to 2018. But despite this, it picks up exactly where the first film ended. It was hugely successful. Let me try that again. It picks up exactly where the sec the f oh my god <laughs> teenage Violet is fo voiced by a 48-year-old. By the time of the second movie. She sounds the same, but she's 48. <laughs> uh, they did have to change some other things, though. Like, Dash is obviously still the same age in the second movie, but the actor who played him is not a child anymore 14 years later. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, on the DVD of this movie, one of the extras was a fictional TV show called The Adventures of Mr. Incredible. And they made it intentionally to look old and worn, so it's like it's a real 60s cartoon. And you can watch it on YouTube, and there's a commentary where Frozone complains to Mr. Incredible about the quality of the show. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, I have to watch that now. I'm surprised you haven't yet. No, I never did. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is the first Pixar film to be rated higher than G. It's rated PG. Hmm. Funny that we did Hunchback and then this, two PG movies. No, Hunchback was G. Oh, right. The discussion was that they wanted it to be PG, but they made yeah. it. Yeah. The discussion is that I I am in agreement that it sh that Hunchback should be PG. Yeah, but what like what we talked about was though? the discussion that they'd had around it. <laughs> Sorry? It's like, was that the discussion, though? <laughs> um, I just remembered talking about PG. Not that it was... There are similarities between The Incredibles... And another superhero group, the Fantastic Four, and the Fantastic Four movie was coming out around the same time as this, 
but they realized they were going to be competing for the same audience and Fox saw the CGI in The Incredibles and were like, oh shoot, we have to make our CGI better now. So they did rewrites and reshoots and that cost them $20 million. Oh wow. (laughs) To keep up to Pixar. That's funny. And realistically, how well did that go? True. How good is that movie? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, They had alternative names before they landed on the incredibles they talked about calling it the invincibles and the code name for it was just tights tights yeah i kind of like that yeah to be honest nice and easy yeah (laughs) yeah uh brad bird was having the animators work long hours so they designed syndrome to look like him to be funny and it took him so long to notice that by the time he did, he couldn't change it. They were too far in. <laughs> oh, man. I'm looking at a picture of him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Look up a picture of Brad Bird compared to Syndrome. Uh, he's, like, quoted saying, like, if I had noticed sooner, I would have made them change it. But I was stupid and didn't notice it till it was too <laughs> So I like think that's hilarious. Uh, in the scene when Frozone and Mr. Incredible are looking like they're robbing the bank the cop is holding a gun up and telling frozone to freeze and then he like reaches over he's like i'm just getting a glass oh of water. yeah it's a callback to samuel L. jackson in die hard with a yep. vengeance saying he's gonna answer the payphone that's intentional that was cool i did notice that yeah uh brad bird knew he wanted sarah vowell to play violet after he heard her on this american life uh she was talking about her father and he was listening to NPR, and he thought, that's a perfect voice to play Violet. So, that's where he got her from. But, she, in the entire production of the movie, only ever saw her character as bald. So, like I said earlier, hair is hard to animate. And the technology they had was still new and time-consuming, so it was only, like, theoretical, the whole creation of the movie. So, she always saw her character as being completely bald. She didn't see her hair until the movie was oh. Changes the character quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mr. Incredible, like all the other characters, their hair essentially stays in one position. It's almost plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Originally, Bomb Voyage, that French mime villain, was going to be called Bomb Perignon, but the makers of Dom Perignon would not give them the legal rights to do that, uh, so they had to change that's it. Funny. Personally, I like Bomb Voyage better. Yeah, yeah. Bomb Voyage is played. Bomb Perignon is, though, is very is more punny. Funny. It's much more. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be a lot older to understand that one. Bomb Voyage works uh, for a younger audience. That's true. In my opinion. Well, it's one of those things that's a nod to the parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used this movie used four times as many locations as any other pixar movie and it featured 781 visual effects shots and at 121 minutes was the longest pixar movie to date Mm -hmm. so yeah uh so jack jack as we know has a whole bunch of powers and he was supposed to transform five times and one of the times was supposed to be into goo that's what brad bird wanted the technical directors insisted it would take two months and the movie didn't have time to make that happen. And he argued with producer John Walker in Inve- 
Invective laced meetings over it until Bird finally gave up. And Walker said that he told Bird, I'd love to give you goo. I want to give you goo. Before transformations are enough, please. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The A113 Easter egg. Yes. Did make it in the movie. It's easy to catch this time. You know what you're watching for. So... Um, as we've talked about before, A113 is a classroom number at the California Institute of the Arts where Bird and several others in the animation industry learned about graphic design and character animation. He was the first person to purposely drop in an A113 reference when he did so on the 1987 TV show Amazing Stories. Mm-hmm. And it has since been in every episode of The Simpsons that Bird worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a creative consultant and director on the series from 1989 to 1998 and directed the Do the, ba- Do the Bartman music video. <laughs> and, of course, it's in every Pixar film. In this one, Mr. Incredible has a meeting in conference room A113, and he's later held on level A1, cell block 13 yeah. on the island. So, yeah. And finally, the cast, obviously, significant cast. Several big names not really big in disney though uh mr incredible is craig t nelson he's done a lot of stuff with mr incredible but that's it frozone samuel jackson also done other stuff as frozone the only other thing he's in is an episode of the proud family oh yeah he would do that yeah it's a classic elastigirl is holly hunter she's done other elastigirl things but again that's it buddy slash syndrome jason lee that's it uh, newsreel narrator Teddy Newton is an animator, and he has done several minor voices in other Pixar films, mm. just like lots of other Pixar animators. There's a couple of animators in this as voices. Mm-hmm. Um, Gilbert Huff is voiced by Wallace Shawn, yep. who is, of course, Rex in Toy Story. Uh, Spencer Fox so is a voice. Yeah. Yes. He's he so is. great in that one. He's, he's far, he's far in... closer to his uh, Princess Bride character in that yes, one. Yes, he is. Um, Spencer Fox is the voice of Dash. He's in Kim Possible. He's one of her brothers. And John Ratzenberger is the Underminer. Yeah. Um, there's lots of other voices in this, but there's those are like the really significant ones in the list. Yeah. Um, we talked about the girl who plays Violet, but she's an author. Um, so that's like her main yeah. gig. But yeah, <laughs> that's it. All right. A uh, couple other things. Uh, talking about like the voice cast, uh, something my brother told me about yesterday in regards to this one is the amount of time that uh, uh, like the time difference between recordings for uh, Craig T. Nelson and Jason Lee, like the amount of time that he spent recording. Like for Mr. Incredible, he did about like six months of voice recording mm-hmm. for the role. I mean, he's the star of, of the of the role of, of the film and everything. So, yeah. yeah, he had a lot more. But then apparently Jason Lee for Syndrome was there for like a weekend. <laughs> wow. That's cool. So I guess Jason Lee could get the fanboy voice in pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, other thing I, I learned about in the past year for each of their films they have they seem to develop like a new technology each time uh this this time 
the one that they developed uh, specifically for this film was the um, uh, programming to animate like the human body like especially Mr. Incredibles where he's like got the skeleton but then he has like the muscles and then the and then the layers of fat on top of it so you could actually see like the the joints and stuff moving as he's going and like this the and his his guts and his gut like moving as, as he's doing this so that's the parts that you could actually like physically notice yeah. in this film so that was the cool um step forward in technology that Pixar had for this film um the uh, other cool thing to know is that uh the short film uh Jack Jack Attacks was actually intended to be in the film itself as like cutaway scenes to like and back to the babysitter oh mm. yeah and yeah back to the babysitter what's going on with Jack Jack oh he's on fire <laughs> and yeah that didn't work for the flow of the film yeah. So then they made it into a short film. That's interesting. Yeah, they made it into a short film. So that's... And it really worked. That that short film is hilarious. Mm. Uh, I also saw like a little like fun little fan theory in regards to Monsters, Inc. Mm. Uh, in regards to like Jack-Jack's powers. Because there's a moment where they're like in the newsreel. Like uh, the monsters are talking to like the news crew after the uh harry Housen's incident like the sushi restaurant incident he's just like and eh, he shut he picked me up with and he shook me like a dog and he sh- came flew flying out here with and hit me with his laser vision and just like hey jack jack made his way into the into the monster world That's funny. Yeah, so that that you know, a baby, for, a baby for the monsters to fear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, or like with trivia, is a fun fan theory that I really like, in regards to Edna Mode. And Syndrome. How, it's like, Syndrome's ego. It was so would be so big that he would demand that his super suit was made by the person like by the best person who made the best of these. So he would go after Edna to you know make his super suit, and then her being super smart and like understanding and like can see right through him and see that he's not really a good person, and then purposely yeah purposely gives him a cape. Yeah, I mean it would make sense. Subtle waves, just like ah, you know, I know that I can't really like. I'm gonna do this for you anyway because you know I want to make a make this, but I'm gonna give you a cape just because I want you to die. And what a death! Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, that that that's like scar and hopper level death (laughs) right there. Like it's right there. (laughs) <laughs> all right so that was fun facts and trivia all right so we're gonna move on to our favorite stuff least favorite stuff so this time we're gonna talk about our favorite characters 
Sarah, what is your favorite character in this film? Either Jack-Jack or Edna. Both of them are great. Yeah. Uh, Brandon? Maybe character is Edna. Yeah. She's just funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she is really hilarious with, like, everything she does. Um... My favorite character, I think, in this one, like, as I've gotten, as I get older, I have to go with Mr. Incredible. Like, the voice performance that he does in it, like, the subtleties that you can pick up with the inflections and stuff, and the whole film is is essentially going on on his back. Yeah. And, but again, his, his voice performance is just so spectacular in this one that yeah. it's just is so... I, I I feel it, and then you know, being a father myself, and uh, just like seeing the struggles and like the the hardships that he's going through, and like the internal debates and and what you know, longing that he feels at the same time, but the love that he feels simultaneously, it's like conflicting emotions that you can feel with all of his his stuff. Like even in like the final moments, like the with the, the climax, where he's just like, you know, I can't lose you again. And it's just like, yeah, oh. It's just yeah, it's good. So many, so many emotions. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson is the patriarch in one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Parenthood. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, and oh, he's so good. <laughs> I haven't seen that show, but he's he's also in an, another show I watched a little bit ago, just for I don't know why, but I watched like Young Sheldon. Mm. Oh yeah, and he plays like a, a crotchety old guy, and I'm li- literally every time he's like talking, I'm just like. That's Mr. Incredible talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like this. It's like watching uh, watching uh, Batman vs Superman and Dawn of Justice, and then here seeing Holly Hunter as like the Congresswoman or whatever, and just like and hearing her talk and just like that's Elastigirl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just that's who they are at this point. Like we, they're not big mm-hmm. enough actors for in the mainstream. For for me to, for me to know them from other things, right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, favorite moment, uh, Brandon. What is your favorite moment? Um, my favorite moment is the uh, the where's my super suit line. I would just always like that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sarah. Uh, Edna, when she's with Elastigirl and showing off all of the different super mm-hmm. suits, I really like that scene. Yeah, I was gonna say pretty much anything Edna, but then I remembered super suit, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, that sounds like a real couple, like, friendly argument, or like, he, you know, sudden, like, I don't know, just arguments that couples get into. It's just like, you yeah. tell me where my suit is, woman! Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Samuel L. Jackson was disappointed he never got to see what his wife looks like. <laughs> yeah, not even in the second one. No. That's funny. <laughs> All right. And least favorite moment. Sarah. Uh, anyone getting sucked into a plane wing with a cape? I can't. Like, <laughs> the thought of what's actually happening to them? Ah. That is a horrific way to die. I, I hate mm. that. It'd be quick. All right, Brandon. 
Um, my least favorite moment is when the machine, like, quote unquote, kills Mr. Incredible. And then he, like, goes down, and then Syndrome, like, throws that tracker down. And then, like, the tracker goes down, and it scans that cave. And it's like, no bodies, no, like, no one detected. And in the end, he's like, oh, yeah, you you hid behind those bones. Which, A, how does Syndrome know that? But, B, the reason it's my least favorite episode is because he doesn't... At least that was my least favorite moment is because he doesn't even hide behind the bones. He literally just stands behind them. He's twice their size, like, straight up. And this, like, detector just didn't catch him. That is plot-like convenience. That is, that is just dumb to me. It's like, there's no way that Tracker would have missed him. He, Dude's, like... Six five, yeah. like nine hundred pounds, all chest muscle, and like how how does he hide behind a skinny thing of bones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and my least favorite moment. I think I don't I don't like the like when Bob and Edna are, or not Edna Bob Bob and Elastigirl are like having their big fight at at home. Oh, yeah. oh, was, I don't like I don't like I don't like the like as much as I like the realism of it, it's just like it's just like uh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Alright. So now we're gonna go on to final thoughts and a letter grade. I'll start. I'll be straight up. I am giving this one an A plus because this one in my opinion is like there's not much I would change for this one it's self con- uh, self-contained great superhero movie that doesn't require a, a somebody to have read uh, you know 600 comics mm-hmm. for it beforehand to understand the characters and stuff or anything beforehand it's just like it's a good film by itself that talks about family talks about parenting talks about you know the letting go of the glory of your old glory days and focusing on the now and the great that you have the greatness that you have are surrounded by yeah mm-hmm. all right uh brandon um yeah i think it's fine uh i seem to have a pretty good a good pretty good time with uh pixar's so um Story's good, animation's fine, characters are good, voice is fine. I love Holly Hunter, so that's always a bonus. Um, yeah, I gave it an A minus. It's pretty good. Yeah. Mhm. All right, and Sarah. I would give it an A. I like this movie. It's not my favorite, but I really like it, mm. and it's fun. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got an A average. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was our episode on The Incredibles. Join us next time where we go back to Brandon's favorite era, which is the <laughs> classics. But Ooh, this time fun. it's a classic that is messed up that he might enjoy. Was it Alice in Wonderland? And that is... 
It is Alice in Wonderland. Oh, uh, yeah, they used to be my finally favorite. Finally have a reprieve a in, in classics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have a reprieve yeah. in, in your class in your classics that yeah. you may actually enjoy. Watch <laughs> a messed up movie. <laughs> All right. So, Sarah, where can our loyal fans find us? You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you can listen and review and rate and all those fun things. You can find us on Instagram at makingadisneyfan.pod and we have a DM since the last time we spoke. Um, No surprise here, it was my father. Oh. (laughs) One of our most loyal listeners. Uh, I mean, I said that like it was a bad thing. I was just, yeah, we love him. It's not... Yeah, it's not a bad thing. No. Uh, he listened to our episode on Cinderella, Ooh. and he wanted to say he he agrees with Brandon that Bibbidi Boppity Boo is the big song in Cinderella, but he disagrees with you in that he actually likes it. Oh. He thinks it's a fun magical spell jingle. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, and now we also have to ask Brandon the very important question. Brandon, are you a Disney fan? Um, it was nice to be back in Pixar, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, a Pixar fan. Yeah, (laughs) seems to be. (laughs) All right. So... Until next time, I have been Zach, TTFN, ta-ta for now. I have been Brandon. Until next time, America. And I'm Sarah. Just keep swimming. Riley Art, spelled B-E-C-C-A-R-E-I-L-L-Y Art. Our theme song was written and performed by Marcus Beveridge. You can listen to more of his music on Instagram at marcus.and.sarah.music performing alongside me, your favorite Making a Disney fan lady. We hope you'll come back for our next episode soon. As the uh, internet would say, Mrs. Incredible is dick. Uh, it's a weird that's a weird internet thing to like discover when you're googling thank you for listening to making a disney fan we hope to see you next time good night and have a pleasant tomorrow